Gypsy, the Talking Dog, a story for young folks. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Gypsy, the Talking Dog, a story for young folks, by Tudor Jinx, Chapter Fifteen. Gypsy makes another mistake. Gypsy settled down for his journey, with the feeling that now his troubles were over. He had nothing to do but wait quietly until the conductor came, to let him know that he had reached the right station, and then to hop off and make his way home along the familiar road from the station. The train stopped at many places, and Gypsy began to wonder how long it would be before the conductor came. He had waited so long about the big station in New York. That it was a late train that he was on, and now it began to be dusky. The brakeman came through the train and lighted the gas. Still, Gypsy heard nothing from the conductor, and at last he became so uneasy that he got up and nosed about the door to the car to see whether anyone was coming. He felt sure the conductor had forgotten all about him, and that he had been carried by his station. At last, Gypsy became so certain that the journey was much longer. Than that he had made in traveling away from Chris and Helen's house to New York, that he made up his mind to find the conductor at any risk. So he left the part of the car in which he had been put, and went out among the passengers. He went so quietly that no one noticed him, and by waiting near the door until it was opened at a station, he soon succeeded in getting into the next car. Here he met a man in a blue uniform with brass buttons. And ran eagerly to him, but Gypsy had made a mistake. This conductor was a stranger, and on seeing the dog, he asked, "How did this dog get in here?" There was no answer, and the man asked again, "Who owns this dog?" There was no reply, and so the conductor, picking Gypsy up by the neck, carried him to the platform and threw him off. Luckily, at a time when the train was not going very fast. Gypsy had no time to make any protest. In fact, before he could imagine what the conductor was going to do, Gypsy found himself flying through the air, and hoping that he might be lucky enough to alight on something soft. He did. He fell on something that was altogether too soft, for he went plump into a stream of water that flowed beside the railway. This gave him a good ducking, but probably saved him from injury. Gypsy could swim, of course, and when he came up from his dive, he was thoroughly cross and disgusted. There, he sputtered, "That's just the way things go. I can sail all around the world without getting my feet wet, and when I am almost home, I must be thrown head over heels into a ditch beside the road." He climbed the bank and sat down to get his bearings. He remained where he was for some time. Hoping that he might see something that would give him a hint of his whereabouts, but he could see nothing but a long, bare stretch of railroad track, shut in on each side by woods. He could not see even this very distinctly, as it was now nightfall, and there was no moon or other light, except the faint glimmer of a railroad switch light far down the track. Gypsy concluded that he must, of course, have been carried beyond his station. And so ought to follow the railroad in that direction. He was well rested now. 
He had not been hurt by his souse in the ditch, and he was chilly when he sat still. So up he got, and away he went along, over the ties, but keeping a sharp eye forward, so that he might have early warning of the coming of another train. He traveled several miles in this way, now and then getting off the track, when warned by the gleam of the locomotive headlight. And then he came to a place where the road branched. Now Gypsy had not the faintest idea which road to take, and he came to a halt, completely discouraged. He was in a new part of the country. His scent was useless. He could see no house or any sign of life or of human beings, except the railroad signals. While he was hesitating what to do, another train came pounding along, and Gypsy ran up a little bank by the roadside, from which to watch it flash by him. He was almost blinded by the headlight and lighted windows of the cars, and had to blink his eyes before he could see clearly again. He turned his back on the railroad to rest his eyesight by looking into the dark woods, and then he saw a light in the distance. For fear lest he might take the wrong branch, Gypsy did not dare follow the railroad further just then, and so he thought he would go toward this light. He entered the woods and made his way slowly through the underbrush, now seeing the light in the distance, and then losing it again when he crossed some hollow. But he was certainly coming nearer to it all the time, and so he kept on. When he had approached near enough to make out what the light was, he could see that it was a bonfire in the woods. It had burned quite low, and only now and then flared up, so as to show anything of what surrounded it. Gypsy made up his mind to go a little nearer and see whether there were any men about, but he meant to be very cautious. Unfortunately, Gypsy went too near. Suddenly, a big dog rose and came dashing toward him, barking loud and acting as if he would eat Gypsy at once. Gypsy could not run away, for that would have caused the big dog to attack him, and so he bristled up the hair on his neck, showed his teeth, and growled out in dog language, Look out! If you come too near, I shall bite. But several men who had been sleeping near the fire had come after the big dog. They carried sticks and were ready to fight. Gypsy's heart beat fast, but he could not run away, for the fierce dog was only waiting a chance to seize him. As the men came up, one of them said, Oh, it's only a little dog. But wait! I think, yes, I'm sure now, it's Juckle. Then Gypsy knew that he had fallen upon the Gypsy's camp, and he made one wild attempt to dash into the woods. But no sooner had he started than the big dog jumped for him and caught him by the ear. That's right, cried the young man. It was certainly Gypsy Joe. Hold him, Blackie, hold him, I'm coming. Joe rushed forward and seized Gypsy by the collar, and Gypsy's chance of escaping was gone. They took their captive back to the camp and chained him to one of the wagon wheels. And to make it still surer that he should not get away, they set the big dog, Blackie, to watch over Gypsy, a thing the ugly brute was only too glad to do. So just when Gypsy had felt that all his troubles and trials were at an end, he had fallen again into the hands of his worst enemies. The poor little fellow did not sleep a wink that night, 
and in the morning he was tossed into one of the wagons and chained to its side. Then the gypsies broke up their camp and made their way out of the woods. Every now and then the man Joe would come to the side of the wagon to see that the captive was still secure, and at these visits he would tell Gypsy what was in store for him. Aha, said Joe. So you couldn't keep away from us. You were too fond of us, weren't you, Juckle? Well, we'll see you don't run away again in a hurry. And by the way, I owe you a thrashing for the way you jumped at my heels when I had to leave you with your fine friends. I'll keep the dust out of your hide, Juckle. Gypsy paid no attention to Joe, for really he was too miserable. He remained crouched in a corner of the wagon and would not even look at his tormentor, who came again and again to gloat over him. They traveled all the morning, and at noon they encamped in the woods again to eat dinner. They gave Gypsy some pieces of hard bread and a little water, and then sat down outside while they ate. But during this halt, Gypsy overheard the two Gypsies who had stolen him talking together and learned something that pleased him. You're a fool, said the older man to the younger one, to keep in this part of the country. If you stay here and the dog should get away, he'll find his way to his old friends again. He won't get away, said Joe. I'll take good care of that. And I must stay here for a day or two, for there's money to be made at the fair. Is there a fair? Alexander asked. Yes, Joe answered. It's the county fair, and I have to buy a horse. Besides, by making Juckle do his tricks, I can earn a hatful of money. You won't dare bring him out. But I shall, said Joe. He's a smart little scamp, I know. But no one comes to these fairs except the farmer folk. There'll be none of his old friends there. I wouldn't take the risk, said Alexander. But I'm going to take it, Joe answered. So from this talk, Gypsy knew that his friends were not far away, and he hoped something might happen to save him from the hands of the thieves who had stolen him, and who now meant to put him again to the hard life from which he thought he had escaped forever. End of chapter 15